We were, of course, around 1974, introduction of antidepressants. I actually had a lot of hope for those. I thought, oh, wow, what if you can, you really can give somebody a happy pill? But it did not work. I cannot say that in my 50 years of experience, I've ever seen anyone, child, teenager, or adult, cured by a medication for depression or so forth. Anxiety and depression are gripping adolescents, and there is no easy pill to swallow to eradicate this from their lives. Someone cannot just simply cheer up or snap out of it to solve the problem. 20% of youth between 13 and 18 live with a mental health condition, and the numbers seem to continue to grow. Could the solution to overcoming this illness be more than just medication? Could it be found in replacing the things we've deprived from our bodies? I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. We're glad you're with us today on the Thought Factory podcast. We've got a special guest today, Jason. It's going to be a really good episode, a person I've learned a lot from. Glad to be back here, glad to see, glad to hear you, my friend. It's good to be here. Yeah. We are excited about this time of year for us because this leads into summer, which means for us we're on the road several thousand miles, several thousand students at NTS Camp. If you want to learn about that, where can they go, Jason? NTSCamp.com. You can go and see where we're at at what day of the the calendar year that you can find us. If you are still looking for a camp experience for your youth ministry, you can still contact us and try to fit in one of those weeks. I know we are filling up on a lot of locations, but there may be a chance, or you may want to visit us at a location just to check it out so that by next year, you can plan to join us with your entire group. If you want to see some of the really cool pictures, we've got an amazing photo video crew that's with us every summer. You can go to NTS Camp on Instagram or on Facebook and Twitter too, but Instagram's got all the, the pictures in one place to check it out. We have a great time. Jason, it is so fun. You do an amazing job. Jason produces all of our creative environments, so all of our sessions. I've said this to other people. I want to say it now for the record, Jason, how I think you're one of the most brilliant and creative minds out there anywhere to begin with and what you bring to the table for NTS year after year blows me away, and I've seen a lot of things, my friend, so... Excellent job. It's such a privilege to work with you, man. I'm really excited about this summer. It's going to be a good one. Well, thank you. I'll make sure to not edit that portion out of the episode. so that <laughs> Please do not, because you do the editing. So that brings us to today. We are talking with a dear friend, and we, were, and we have her permission to say this, yes. her age. Yep. We think she's the oldest person that we've had on this podcast I as know, a guest. I know for a definitive yes that she is the oldest. Okay. Unless, of course, you're not 75. I am not 75, not quite. So she's 75 years old. Her name is Jackie Shepard. She's had 50 years of experience and research on how the body affects the mind, will, and emotion. She's taught high school English. She started a private high school in the Atlanta area in 1988. Currently, she resides in the Kansas City area with her dear husband of 54 years, Glenn Shepard, who is a good friend and mentor to me, a leader in the prayer movement, both nationally and worldwide. And I'll just add here that Glenn, our, our the husband of our guest, uh, Jackie, Glenn Shepard, is one of the men that, um, and the group 
of, of leaders, men and women, that helped form what's now the National Prayer Committee. They were very formative in helping the legislation get passed in 1988 to make the National Day of Prayer officially uh, declared as the first Thursday of May. Up until that point, it had moved around from year to year. So Glenn is a very humble man, but he has helped shape the foundation of prayer in the United States and the world. He speaks all over the world. He travels still at his age. It's amazing. So today, our conversation with, with Glenn's wife, with Jackie, who is incredible in what she has learned and discovered in the area of, of science and medicine when it comes to the body and the mind. And, and she's been in this area, immersed in this area of anxiety and depression for, for decades now. Now, this has really come to the forefront, Jay, Jason, in the last few years, especially with students, but she's been in this world for a long time, and I've learned so much from her about how she has learned what the connections are between these two things, between what's happening emotionally and psychologically in our physical bodies. And the first conversation I had with her, it started this awareness in me, and Jason, you and I have talked on and off air about the the physiological factors that go into a student's emotional well-being these days. And so as she talked about the the connections between like physiologically, like our physical bodies and emotions, it was like an awakening of awareness for me. And we've talked about this, just all the factors that students are dealing with now. We are talking about mental state, the mental health of, of students. And the real reason why we have Jackie is because of the years and decades of experience in discussing this and we we hit on it in the next episode with smartphones and digital exposure for adolescents brains and you know we've talked about it in the previous episodes but there's a number of of factors and what Jackie does is hit on the science and the body and and not just more the digital where we can really focus on she has talked about it and studied it long before the smartphone has even come out. You know, in, in talking with her, it reminded me of, like, students are, and we, and last summer, I interviewed a lot of students talking about you and your friends. Are you, how late are you up, especially during the school year when they got to get up early, but the combination of all these things, they're up all night on their phones. They're um, not outside a lot, so even, and I think Jackie mentions this, but even things like sunlight, and getting, you know, pure natural sunlight into your body is a factor. And drinking water is a factor. And any kind of physical activity is a factor. All these things combine now when you think about a lot of students. They've got a lack of sunshine. They've got a lack of sleep. They've got a lack of water, of good food. They've got a lack of physical activity and a lot of screen time. So you combine all those things. And we're not here as experts. We're not here as, as you know people that are professionals in, in psychology and, and physiology, but we are saying that it does make a difference in students' lives. Ultimately, it's something that we need to think about, and that's really what we desire for you to do as well, is to think about some of these things, because why is it that anxiety and depression are going up in students when they are getting less sleep, when they are on their phones a lot, and that's affecting their brains, and we're, we're allowing them to ingest sugary drinks more than even decades ago. You know, you talk about these high 
caffeinated energy drinks, high sugar content drinks. We just are speculating maybe, but at the same time, there's got to be a reason for some of these spikes in depression and suicide and, and students just dealing with anxiety nonstop. And there's got to be some sort of correlation to how we're treating our body and how God designed us. And we're not really living it out in the way that he desires us to live out. Yeah, it's, it's tragic what's happening. And we've been praying, Jason and our staff, for the country and for students around the country, state by state. And we're seeing the suicide rates in states, you know, state by state. Yeah. The, 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 the state that we're praying for this week is New Mexico, as we're recording this. And, and the suicide rate in that state and some others really stand out. Colorado's another one where suicide rates are really high. And I would say that uh, I'm going to make a prediction here that I remember being in youth ministry about 15 years ago, and really, at that point, intentionally, really, and I was doing it before, but got really intentional about teaching about money, finance, and resources to students. I wasn't hearing a lot of it back in, in those days. Now it's become more prominent. I'm going to make a prediction here, Jason. I feel like a wave that's that's going to come into youth ministry and it's going to come into the church is this idea of teaching on the Sabbath. I think we've lost it. I think we need to regain it. We've talked about it on this podcast a little bit. It's become a, an area of passion for me recently in conversations and in some teachings and other things. I think that is going to be a factor. And as you listen to this interview with Jackie, I want you to be thinking about that as a filter. Think about where we are in reclaiming some of these things that maybe we've lost in our culture and society as believers that we need to regain. I don't think you're far off in that prediction because there's got to be a breaking point. There's got to be, amongst all the stats and the research that people are doing, that we're talking to, that we're looking at, we're, we're talking to students, and they're saying a lot of the same things. Articles are coming out of the same things. Technology industries are developing things to protect students in this way. But I think that breaking point is we can't continue on like this. And what is that solution? And again, what you said, going back to the Sabbath, going back to taking a break from all of this and allowing your body to rest. And and we've hit on it in a, a few episodes ago on students in sleep, but I think you're right in that prediction of we can't just be in overdrive all the time. Right. We hope you enjoyed this interview. This is part of uh, this episode and the next one we have another guest. And the next episode, we've got a couple guests couple special guests. They've got some really amazing resources that we want you to hear about. We hope that you join us. These two episodes are connected in terms of we're talking about mental health for students. So please enjoy this interview with Jackie Shepard. So in July of 2017, I was in Colorado Springs at Ted's Steakhouse. I had one of the best steaks I've ever had in my life and ended up sitting next to this lovely woman named Jackie Shepard, who's our guest today. And Jackie was intriguing from the very first moment we began that conversation, talking about health, talking about psychology, talking about adolescence, lots of things we got into in that very first conversation. And since then, Jackie uh, has become a great friend. I'm on the board of directors for the National Day of Prayer with her husband, Glenn Shepard, who is equally amazing. And so, Jackie, it's great to have you with us, and we are so excited to get into this conversation with you today. I am thrilled to be with you all. Thanks for joining us, Jackie. Let's get into your background here a little bit. 
Tell us in a nutshell about your background and experience in working with adolescents. Well, I think that one of the first things I need to point out is that I'm 75 years old. So I've been working with adolescents longer than a lot of people have been born. I've seen a lot of changes through the years. I have continued to be concerned because we are losing so many of our top minds and top young people to conditions that I think we can change. I taught high school English for many years. I had my own private high school that I started in 1988. I have been researching and working on mental, emotional, and addictive health. I started with teenagers, but it has progressed to adults now. And a lot of this came together for me uh, a few years back when we made some major strides in science. And I was able to connect a lot of dots that had just been scattered. And that's when, um, just about the same time, Destiny Image contacted me to ask me about a book that they had heard I was working on. So, yeah, so that sort of brings us up to where I am. We ha I have been married to my husband, Glenn, 54 years. I am the co-founder of International Prayer Ministries. We've been in ministry for 54 years. We have three children in full-time ministry with their mates, eight grandchildren, and uh, Jeff, as you know, a little farm with sheep, goats, a donkey, and a llama. <laughs> that's right. But, I've yeah. seen that. I can, I can tell you that is true. <laughs> so that's, that's it in a nutshell. Jack, you mentioned that you were working on a book, and I believe that book is called Silent Takeover. Could you just briefly tell us about what that premise is of the book? Well, now that book was published in 2016, Silent Takeover, How the Body Hijacks the Mind. Subtitled is Overcoming Mental, Emotional, and Addictive Disorders. So I've had really good response to it. I think it's probably in its third printing. Um, I'm, I am working on another book, and that's probably the one you're referring to, and it is strictly on ADD, ADHD, and autism. It's going to be on how metabolism causes and affects ADD, ADHD, and autism. What are some of the things that you're finding with that? Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit, uh, Jason, but I can't tell you everything because I want you to buy the book. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll have a number of chapters that address certain toxic chemicals that we have the science to show that it so disrupts the a pathway in the gut that, and, and as you probably read, the gut and the brain are, are vitally connected. We used to think that emotional issues and learning and behavior problems started in the brain and affected the gut because we saw so many people with digestive problems who had these disorders. Now we think it's backwards. We think that these issues start in the gut. Serotonin, dopamine, acetylcholine, your neurotransmitters are actually made there. In my book, Silent Takeover, I have a whole chapter on gut-brain connection. But in the new book, I want to specify various chemicals that change that. Uh, I'll also talk about certain medications that shut down important enzymes. If you're not making enough of these enzymes, your brain just will not work properly. So 
it too will be a science book. But I wrote Silent Takeover in, in lay language, and I tried to bring in an, enough narrative that hopefully people who don't like science would keep reading. But I think, um, and, I, and I really believe this, I think every parent should read these books because we're up against a very toxic environment. And then anyone who's raising a child now needs to know what to do, what not to do. And adults, we can still change it. We can still change the metabolism so that we get that gut functioning properly to produce neurotransmitters. Long answer to a short question. Well, sorry to put you on the spot about your new book. I was just a little bit more intrigued, but clearly you are researching a lot. You are discovering new trends. And so we were wondering, what are some of those trends in in teens' behaviors that you have found observed in the last decade or so? When I started teaching school in 1964, we'd have one or two students in a room of, say, 25 teenagers that needed a little extra help after school. Uh, behavior, we, we, had, we had strong discipline in those days, and so we had good discipline. So it was completely different to what the teacher sees now. What I saw to begin with was I began noticing that if they ate better, they made better grades, and they behaved better. So I started doing what research I could, but in 1964, there wasn't much out there. About 1970, we got Dr. Fingold's book on how preservatives and additives affect behavior. We also, by that time, started getting some of the diagnoses of ADD, ADHD, and autism. But the main thing that I noticed was it seemed like every year, we had more disturbed teenagers in the classroom. And being an adolescent counselor as well as a teacher, I had more and more people bringing their students to me. We were pastoring a church. We were pastoring churches during those years. So I had people bringing me their teenagers to elementary school kids. And I saw more and more mental, emotional learning and behavior problems. And now the numbers are staggering. That's the thing that, Jackie, when, when we first had that conversation, that that struck me right away was that your amount of research, your ability to think outside of the constraints of what might be considered routine thinking in these areas, and you began to theorize things that I think a lot of us have wondered about. For example, that our physical body is more responsible for our mental state than what maybe was has been accepted in the past by the mainstream. And walk us through some of the key discoveries that you found in that journey as you began to develop that, uh, that idea and that way of thinking. Well, Jeff, I've always prayed over my students and for my students. And so I have to just tell you the honest truth. The Holy Spirit began sharing with me what I consider concerns that's on the heart of our Lord. And even though I couldn't get all of the information, I began to get concepts. And then I knew what to start looking for. But it's only been recent years that one of my children said to me, Mom, science is catching up to you. We were getting so much information about 
various educational techniques that weren't working. We were, of course, around 1974, introduction of antidepressants and mind-altering medications. And we, I actually had a lot of hope for those. I thought, oh, wow, what if you can, you really can give somebody a happy pill? But it did not work. I cannot say that in my 50 years of experience, I've ever seen anyone, child, teenager, or adult, cured by a medication for depression or so forth. So as a counselor, I was on the route of counseling. But something just kept leading me again and again to trying to figure out what's wrong in the body. We didn't have the internet, so all I could do was look where I could. But I was fortunate to meet a research pediatrician around 1983, and he's really the one that could take me into deeper water. I had ideas, I had concepts, I had theories, but he was way ahead of me. He had already for several years been trying to find out metabolically what's wrong with these kids. And so he's the one that taught me about metabolic testing, where we could test for vitamins and minerals, fatty acids, amino acids. Uh, we could even test gut function back in 1983. So he deserves so much credit for putting me on this track. And then after his death, we lost him to melanoma. I was able several years later to meet some alternative medical physicians. These were medical doctors who shared my thinking. And so we worked together. By that time, we could test neurotransmitters. We, we couldn't test neurotransmitters when we first started. You couldn't put a needle in the brain, in essence, and pull out the neurotransmitters. But we could test with blood, and now you can test neurotransmitters with urine. So we've come a long ways. You, you often talk um, about how sometimes physical problems are based on what's considered maybe spiritual problems. And talk, talk for a second about that, because I think that's interesting for us at working with adolescents. You said the numbers are staggering, and I guarantee every single youth worker listening to this can relate to that. We all know students that are dealing with all kind of different things uh, surrounding anxiety and depression. How is that in your research? How's that connected some of those issues and anxiety in general to physical health? Well, Jeff, there's a lot of information out there. There are qualified spiritual leaders and how the mind and the spirit affect the body. Uh, the lack of forgiveness, for example, causes physical problems in the body. The uh, ruminating of negative thinking, it will actually change uh, not just the cells of the body, but especially the neurotransmitters. Also, for example, if you look up at a blue sky, your neurotransmitter serotonin will be increased. Uh, if you play a video game, unfortunately, it increases your dopamine. So all of these things, we are body, soul, and spirit. So we've concentrated so much in youth ministry on the spiritual aspects, and I'm all for that. Um, I often said at my private school 
that it took us three months to get them clothed and in their right minds, and then we could teach them something. However, because there's so many people, so many books, inspirational books, especially on the spirit and the soul, and, and also because I've been at this for 50 years, I usually start now with the body. Uh, a lot of the young people who come to me are Christian. Some of them are not. But either way, and I had a meeting with an awesome young missionary this week who's struggling with depression. I said, you know, you've probably confessed your sins and everybody's sins. And he <laughs> sort of agreed. And I said, and you've probably felt a lot of shame and guilt because you are a Christian. You're from a strong Christian home over the fact that you're dealing with so much depression. He's shaking his head. And I said, but what I want to tell you is that I don't think you've got a spiritual problem. I don't think you've got a problem, a psychological problem. I think you have a physical problem in your body that is so affecting the production of neurotransmitters that it, this physical condition is causing your depression. And the good news is we can change that. One of our past episodes, I'm going to reference it here, was episode, one of our very first was 103. Jason, remember that? We, it was the theology of pizza and hummus. It was the idea of, of youth ministry and the theology of food and the connection to that. And if you mm -hmm. haven't listened to that, uh, audience, I want, I want to encourage you to go back because what we talk about there is what we can do to model in our youth ministries uh, good behavior when it comes to food itself because we typically just throughout the cheapest that we can get for students and kind of hope for the best, right? Yeah, the podcast was based off of the fact that most youth ministries just use cheap pizza, a low budget, to provide food for any event or, or gathering instead of thinking through the health benefits of healthy eating and even just talking about healthy eating, healthy lifestyle in regards to food. And so there's this theology behind, do we provide cheap and quick or do we provide food that's healthier, but maybe more costly. The healthy aspect of our body correlates to how healthy our mind can be. And as we are talking to Jackie and, and discussing how this affects students, adolescents, the students that we are working with, we see students experience anxiety, depression. These things are causing suicide. The rates are increasing. In light of all that we have talked about, why do you think teen suicide is on the rise today. I could write a whole book about that. It's hard to encapsulate it. Um, maybe I should, because it's certainly so much, it, it's so much more prevalent than it was. Um, in my first teaching experience, we had a teen suicide, and it was so rare, and it devastated me. It, it, um, it was over a low algebra grade. So you, you realize that part of it is that when someone is a teenager, every molehill is a mountain. We could have solved that algebra grade. However, it, it, it's so much more than that now because so many of the young people who do commit suicide, many of them have been on medications for years. And medications do change your emotional response. That's its job, is to change your emotional response. So a lot of times they really do not emotionally, they, they can't really fathom emotionally what's going to happen if they, if they do this to their parents and their friends, so forth. 
but coupled with a toxic brain as well as um, the, the media, so much information. There's so much auto-suggestion with teenagers where somebody does it, herd instinct, they, they follow, they do the same thing, whether that's suicides as well as, sad to say, homicides. I think, though, that in, in this deep spiritual vacuum that we have, we don't have people who are healthy in body or soul. So it's not just a spiritual vacuum. It's not just the deprivation of the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions. It is the fact that the body cannot do what it was designed to do. And it begins then to actually run patterns of thoughts of self-destruction. The rise in anxiety and depression. Jackie, talk about what you're seeing um, as far as reversing and dealing with that for us that are parents and youth workers. Jeff, as you recall, I now, I, I often say that I worked in 15-year segments. Uh, we were a part of the mighty move of the Holy Spirit in the 70s, and so um, I actually was expecting every child to be divinely healed. And then we had so many, so many years of strong emphasis on Christian counseling and all sorts of theophostic counseling and so forth. And we saw some progress, but the reason in the last 15 to 20 years I've concentrated on the body is because if a parent brought a, a teenager with anxiety to me, I would do a, a full profile trying to lock in on what could I change to get the right neurotransmitter production. Neurotransmitters the precursors, what makes the neurotransmitters are amino acids. We get our amino acids from foods. So trying to create diets that might create more serotonin was the only tool I had to work with for a long time. Or acetylcholine, lowering acetylcholine or increasing acetylcholine. It, it was a, a difficult task. Uh, however, what we discovered, and I say we, it wasn't. I certainly didn't discover it, but about a decade ago, an enzyme, we, we've known for a long time that students with learning and behavior problems, depression, bipolar, whatever, any, any childhood disease also, uh, produced more than normal free radicals in their bodies. They might produce as much as a person with Parkinson's or Alzheimer's. We also knew they did not make enough uh, of certain enzymes the body has to have. The most important enzyme they did not make is an enzyme called glutathione. Dr. Martha Herbert, who is probably the top research doctor in America today in the field of ADD, ADHD, autism, as well as teenage mental disorders. Uh, she's at Harvard. She said in an eye chat, in 2011, that she is now convinced that low production of glutathione is the link to ADD, ADHD, and autism. I'm convinced she's right. The reason why is if I can work with these young people and their parents or young adults to produce a greater amount of glutathione, their anxiety leaves. 
then we have a landscape for counseling. We have a landscape for them to believe the truth about God, that he does love them as much as he does someone else who's functioning normally. So that was a huge, huge, it was like the glue that began to put the puzzle <laughs> together. Uh, you're supposed to get this from food, from uh, whey, from um, your dairy products. Um, our mi milk is very compromised now. We, Many people have become lactose intolerant. Or you get it from fruits and vegetables. However, because our fruits and vegetables are not nutritionally dense enough. For example, you read in my book, it takes eight oranges to equal one orange from 1950. You can't eat enough fruits and vegetables. And even if you could somehow consume all of them, and, and even if they were all organic and you grew them in your backyard, you still have toxic rain and depleted soil. So we're, we're living in a very toxic environment where the food source is contaminated. And then we eat so many processed foods. We eat out often. We eat foods that Lord only knows what's in those foods. I often say to people, look at the contents. If you can't pronounce it, neither can your body. So, yeah, we're in a difficult time on how to feed the body. And that's one, really one of your first approaches with, with families and students then is to approach them on the physical end and say, let's talk about intake, let's talk about screen time, let's talk about being outdoors, let's talk about sunshine. I've heard you say those things. And, and as youth workers, we're trying to, to get some takeaways here. Is, is that part of it? Is, is, just, is just an awareness of saying to parents and working with students directly, listen, get away from the screens, get outside, eat differently, drink water, get good sleep. It's all those basic things, right? It is, but screen time is so damaging, uh, as well as any connection to their technology and their electronics. And you know that these are sacred idols to them. Even when the cell phone is in the same room with most people, they will get a boost of dopamine. And when they can't find their cell phone, they have the same neurotransmitters that you get as you're initiating a panic attack. And with a teenager, because they, they have such a herd instinct, and now they're connected to who knows how many people through social media, their emotions are tied into every time they touch their technology. I recommend to every youth minister have times where they disconnect. Take them out for long camping trips or long walks. Have days when it's known they're going to disconnect, they're going to take the, get rid of their electronics for the day or something. Most of them have never known the sound of silence. They don't know to listen to birds. But we are designed for the sounds of nature because it does certain things in our body. And you, you know about what I've already mentioned about it, increasing serotonin. Uh, even if you're walking at the sea, there's lithium in the air. Lithium is, has been made into a medication that they use for bipolar. So we, we're made to get negative ions. Everything electrical is a positive ion. It drains your body. We are negative, 
and that will drain your body like a battery. When you reconnect, when you go outside, fresh air, sunshine, walk in the woods, just get out, touch a tree, you're going to get negative ions. And that's why you feel refreshed and your soul feels restored because that's how God designed it. Well, Jackie, that's why I was so intrigued from our very first conversation is you have you have such a a refreshing and even revolutionary way of looking at at things, but yet also so in touch with um with how God's designed us and and your experience in research, but as well as your walk with the Lord and it's very inspiring to us and I want to remind everyone again that her book is called Silent Takeover. It is available on Amazon and lots of other platforms. I've read it. I've actually read it twice. It's an incredible book. I would consider it groundbreaking. And I think as youth workers, as parents, I want to reiterate what she said earlier. It is a book that that all of us should read because it brings an awareness to the connection between all these things that we're seeing. We're seeing an epidemic of anxiety, depression, and, and recently the spike in suicide, which is heartbreaking to those of us that, that are working with, with adolescents on a regular basis. And a lot of the answers to why those things are happening, uh, you will find in that book, Silent Takeover. And then your next book, Jackie, we definitely want to have you back to talk about um, what else you're finding out. And uh, we want to thank you again for your time today. It's been an honor to be with you, Jeff. Uh, you may want to remind them that I don't charge for counseling. I can be reached through Silent Takeover. There's only one T, Silent takeover at gmail.com or Jackie Shepard S-H-E-P-P-A-R-D at Mac.com or you can find me on Facebook and private message me say that they heard about this through you guys and I want to let everyone know that I've referred a few people to Jackie as well and she will she will live up to that promise so Jackie thank you for throwing that out there and thanks for your willingness to help and uh, we really appreciate it. Okay, and, and blessings. May this be the best year yet. Yes, thank you, Jackie. Thanks, Jackie. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org. This is David Schmoose with Christian Educators Association. We connect with teachers largely in the public schools, helping them see their schools as a mission field and also know the legal do's and don'ts of how to walk that out. If you'd like more resources of how to transform your school with God's love and truth, connect with us at ceai.org. That's ceai.org. We are proud to partner with Claim Your Campus 2020 because we truly believe that moments mobilize movements. And we believe prayer is the key to campus transformation. Hey, we're in the bonus segment with, with a guest today. We're talking about Claim Your Campus 2020, this exciting event coming up on July 4th weekend in the year 2020, which is coming up uh, faster than we can believe. If you go to ClaimYourCampus2020.com, you'll learn more about it. But our guest today is actually the worship leader for the event, and that's good friend, newsboy, past, present, maybe future. We'll see. 
Phil Joel. <laughs> Phil, it's good to have you with us. And I just want to say here, we're going to talk about it a little bit, but but when I have experienced you in a setting with students leading worship, you have such a gift to do it. I know that kind of came out of nowhere for you, but we are excited to have you there with us leading worship for this historic event. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm really excited. Really excited. And I think um, I'm expecting. I just kind of expect God to turn up and do wild things, you know, and that's his heartbeat. He wants to. So why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> I know. It's that simple, though, right? It's like, it is. On, why not? Why not? Let's gather and, and just say, hey, Lord, what do you want to do? And be expectant, open our hearts, and, and you watch, man. I just, I know that's how it works, you know. You, you turn up to a place and you're sort of not wanting something to happen, or you're just kind of like, eh, you know, whatever. You know, God's like, he's, it's like he's limited. You're limiting him. But if we turn up hearts, ears, eyes, hands open, guess what's going to happen? He's going to turn up, and he's going to mean he's going to speak to us. He's going to show us things, and his, his presence is going to be, like, tangible. And I know that's... And I know that sounds, I don't know, presumptuous maybe, but that's been my experience. And that's when I open the Bible, I look there and I say, hey, I see, man, when people make moves towards the Lord, then he just rushes toward them. That's how he works, you know. And um, so 2020, you know, 4th of July should be no different as long as we turn up with our hearts ready, you know. So Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and we, yeah, we're, our hearts are right there. That's one of the reasons that. You know, we've connected with you on this event because everyone on that stage will be a guest, an artist, a speaker that really shares that same vision and heart that you just shared. And that is that we're asking God very humbly to meet us there. I mean, the prayer that I've been praying and, and other people have been praying along with me is, Father, meet us in the field. We're going to be out in that field in Kansas, and we're going to be expectant and, and humbly uh, just believing and asking that God would be there in a unique in a unique way for these students because all they need is a moment. I go back in my life, and I've been talking about this recently, and the Lord's been showing me that all it takes is a moment with Him. You look throughout Scripture, and yeah. I look even in my own life and go, I can point to eight or ten significant moments, and usually those moments I'm talking about a matter of a few seconds where I just knew that God was speaking or he was there or he was real or some kind of just small little epiphany that, that uh-huh. made a, a major life-altering um, you know, impact in my life. And so that's what we're talking about with this event. We're excited to have you there with us. Yeah, you're right, man. You're so right. I, can, I mean, I was reading this morning, and, um, and I just, it, there was something in the reading that, I, that, that brought about a, a remembrance of, of, an, of, a, of an occurrence, something in my life that, that happened. And it wasn't, it, it actually wasn't a huge thing that happened, but it was deeply profound. And it, it changed the trajectory of my life. And it was just a moment, but it, it set about a movement. It really did. And it, and it just changed the course of how I saw things and how I began to move forward. And, um, yeah, our lives do, they change in moments, you know, they really do. They can, those moments set about these entirely new movements in our lives and it's, um, they, they, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm expectant for that for 2020 for sure. I think having a posture of expectation when we are going to be in the presence of God is not a bad posture to have regardless. And so when we start off this segment of why not, we are expectant of God and God delivers and God promises 
ways that he's going to deliver and and so for yeah, us to pos- for us to posture ourselves in an expectant way he may not deliver in our expectations but we are expectant of him to arrive and be present yeah totally that's beautiful that's so true and even now we've got 16 months so the idea of expectancy being being becoming more aware of God's presence, what he wants to say and speak to us. Obviously, not just in 2020, not just on the 4th of July, 16 months from now, but practicing the presence of God, practicing opening our hearts and becoming more expectant. What are you saying to me right now, Lord? What do you want me to see? What do you want me to hear in this moment? How do you want me to interact? And how can I love on people? How can I serve better in this moment? It's it's kind of, yeah, talking about being expectant and for this event coming up is really cool but maybe it's sort of opening up um our hearts to becoming more expectant just generally in life you know for the next uh and and it's giving us an i mean i'm just thinking this out loud right now as we're in this conversation i'm like man this kind of gets me pumped to sort of just you know meditate on that ponder that a little more am i expectant yeah not just for those big moments but just for the day-to-day yeah hmm. Yeah, we're believing. Glad we talked, fellas. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're so glad you're a part of it. We appreciate you so much. And as you're listening to this, if you want to learn more, there's a couple of things you can do. Go to ClaimYourCampus2020.com, check it out. Also, on Facebook, if you go to uh, Claim Your Campus Advocates, there's a group called Claim Your Campus Advocates. and That's for those of us that are adults that really play a key role in the event and helping to get students and schools represented. So learn more about that, both those places. Phil, again, great to have you with us today. Thanks, fellas. Thanks, Phil.